I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap, that's Creole for something extra. For over a decade, hundreds of volunteers have convened on the Boston Common to plant tens of thousands of flags in the lead-up to Memorial Day. 37,369 will be placed in the park this year, each one representing a service member from Massachusetts who gave their life since the Revolutionary War. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proud... Sergeant First Class Keith Allen Callahan. Petty Officer, Third Class, FMF, Timothy John Cook, my son, coming up. The flag planting commemoration is more than just a symbolic act of remembrance. For the surviving family members, it's a day of remembrance and community support. Joining me remotely, Jack Hammond, retired Brigadier General and Executive Director of Homebase, a nonprofit dedicated to veteran care and co organizer of the Memorial Day Boston Common Flag Garden. Hello. Hello, and it's wonderful to chat with you today. Also joining me, Rhonda Garvin Conaway, spouse of a fallen Massachusetts service member. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you so much for having me here. So, you know what? I did not know the history of the flag garden. I will say, personally, I just started paying attention to the flags along the highway, and then I got really fascinated with the flag gardens and who did them and how they came to be, and found out that the Boston Common Flag Garden is not actually that old. It's only 13 years old. Um, so I would start with you, um, Jack, and ask, how did this tradition get started? Like, who who was the, or who were the people who um, decided that this would be an excellent thing to do? Yeah, that, that's a great question. There, there's an organization called the Massachusetts Military Heroes Fund, and it was initially created um, to help find ways to support the families of our fallen um Based upon the, the you know the, the the challenges that we saw with the post 9/11 um, military generation that we're serving, and in, in 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 14 years ago, a group of them got together to say, what can we do to, to have this living memorial where we can we can demonstrate a, a very outward facing response to recognizing the service and sacrifice of our fallen heroes, and at the same time acknowledging the sacrifice of our military family members who've endured so much pain um, and, and, and really give them the opportunity to let them know that we will never forget and that we will always uh, value their, the service of their, both the family and the veteran. Uh, and so this is one of the best ways to do it on Memorial Day weekend. Um, and as, as you pointed out, you know, the location for this on Boston Common by the Soldier Sailor Monument is in the heart of, of the Boston Common where Hundreds of thousands of people will walk through there over the next few days and really see that visual support that we're providing and that commitment to our military families. Now, uh, just to be clear, each flag represents someone who died, but not necessarily a specific person who died. No, but with the last that the last several hundred are placed, uh, the names are read as they're placed. And, and that's the folks that have lost uh, their lives in the last 20 years. 
So you're a retired one-star general. You served for 30 years in the Massachusetts Army National Guard as a military police officer, and you were deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan. So you know this work. And, 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 and also, you, I would imagine, have a whole other feeling about the ceremony of which the flag planting is a part. Uh, talk to us about that. Well, it's a very emotional day. Um, there, there are so many names read that are, are good friends. Uh, Rhonda has been a close friend for, uh, I'm not going to put an age, I would never put an age, a, a time <laughs> next to an age. Uh, but I would say Conda, uh, Rhonda was a young girl when I met her. Um, and she was married to an amazing guy named Brett, uh, who retired as a colonel. And Brett and I served together for years. Uh, and there were other folks that I served over in Iraq and Afghanistan whose names were read. Um, and so it's a very emotional time. And as I shared um, with some brief remarks earlier today, you know, uh, it's a bittersweet time for, for me personally and many veterans and military family members. On the one side, um, it, you know, it's a beautiful, um, creative living memorial to service um, where, you know, we, we I, my, my heart filled with pride on, on some of the names being read in this service and thinking about that side. But it also called attention to, you know, some of the worst moments of my life when I got news about different people or or I had to notify families of a loss. Um, and, and I know for the families equally, you know, it, it's fun to remember. But, but it, it's a bittersweet day for all of us. Um, Mayor Wu actually had a wonderful quote where she described the fact that each one of those flags represented a person who represented a world to a family. And then when you looked at the thousands of flags there, they represented a galaxy of family relationships um, that were impacted by these tragedies. Mm. So Rhonda Garvin Conaway, spouse of a fallen Massachusetts service member, um, you attended the services for many years with your husband before he died. Talk to me about what that experience was like, and then after you lost him, and I'm sorry for your loss, um, what it has come to mean to you. My husband, Brett, loved a good ceremony, and he loved symbolism and those visual reminders, as Jack mentioned, of what we stand for and why we do what we do. And it was really important to us, as busy as Memorial Day weekend could be with various military commitments or community commitments or social commitments, that we had a moment or two or three where we stopped and really took stock of what Memorial Day is all about those who have made the ultimate sacrifice in honor of our constitution so that we can go on and live in this nation as freely as we can. Um, we enjoyed it. We were sobered by that. And now here I am today saying my husband's name. I was a name reader at the ceremony. So I had an active role and that felt important and significant in that I could pay a small tribute, not only to Brett, but to all the names that have passed in the past 20, 20 years. Um, thinking about that is very powerful and helped me put my pain somewhere to remember that I'm not alone. And for all the pain that I may have, another family also shares in that. And that unites us and bonds us in a way that reminds us of our humanity. Mm. 
Now, talk to me about the other family members who were there with you today and have been in the past, because as we said earlier, this is a community. So the the memorial services are actually more for you all. This is a community of support becomes very public um, in that moment, but it's ongoing in ways that the rest of us don't see. How important is that to you um, now that uh, you've lost your husband? I've been very fortunate to live in a community that I feel connected to. So on a daily basis, I've received the benefits of what it means to have others know you and look out for you and check in on you. However, with that said, this extended community of people who are walking the walk of losing a a loved one who served in the military is a unique path. And there is a unique sense of knowing that we all have without even having to to speak the words. So I have discovered a great comfort in, in knowing and meeting other individuals. And even though sometimes the circumstances are different in how we lost our loved ones, it's still the same kind of feeling, pride, honor, and also sadness and grief. And again, it binds us in a way that that helps us get through. I have been fortunate to actively be engaged with home base since Brett has died. We were big supporters and fans of what the organization was doing before his death. And now I've been a recipient of their services. I attended their intensive clinical program in February, where I was able to access a robust curriculum. I receive support through counseling. I am able to connect with people I was in the program with and stay in touch with them. And it's it's really been the thing that has breathed new life into my world. Mm. What do you want people to know about Brett? Brett was genuine, enthusiastic, passionate, and deeply faithful to the idea that our democracy was an amazing experiment that will prevail if we all continue to give it the attention it deserves. Mm. Now, Jack, the focus is on traumatic brain injuries. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that program is like and how it works? When when it was when Homebase was formed in 2009, it was based on a visit by Tom Warner and the Red Sox to uh, the White House and then a follow-on trip to Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Uh, and based upon the impact um, on the leadership of the Red Sox, um, of the injuries that they witnessed down there with the young people during the surge in Iraq, um, they were moved to action. And they came back here and they uh, met with Senator Kennedy and asked for his advice in which direction to go. And he said, you need to focus on the invisible wounds of war. And that would be traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress, and the other mental health injuries that are associated with military service. And so they, he brokered a meeting with the president of Mass General at the time, it was Dr. Peter Slavin, and Peter welcomed this partnership, and within a year, they were operational with the first private sector clinic in the nation focused on healing the invisible wounds sustained by not only active, actively serving military, but veterans and military family members like Rhonda. Um, and over the past uh, decade, I came, I came aboard um, in 2012. I was invited uh, by the owners of the Red Sox and 
leadership at Mass General to take this program on. And, and with the amazing faculty that we have, um, we have been able to reimagine the future of mental health care and brain injury care um, by developing programs similar to what uh, Rhonda just described, an intensive uh, clinical program for uh, post-traumatic stress associated with complicated grief of losing a loved one, um, where we compress two years of therapy into 14 days. Um, we, we, do, we, have, we, run, we run that same program with some modifications for veterans and active duty service members um, 39 times a year um, with the same level of success that Rhonda described. Um, and we're able to treat veterans from anywhere in the world through that program. And since uh, 2016, when we launched that, we've treated veterans from all 50 states and 13 countries. We fly them in and all of the care, transportation, um, logistics, feeding, housing, apartment, hotels, et cetera, are all completely covered. Uh, we believe that veterans and military family members have already made the investment in this nation, uh, and they have they, they should never see a bill for services for the care um, for injuries sustained in that service. Um, and, and more recently, at the request of uh, SEAL Team 6, we built a comprehensive brain health and treatment program for traumatic brain injuries and polytrauma. Um, this is the first in the country. Um, and we have now uh, treated and seen probably 800 special operations team members, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Army Rangers, et cetera, through this very comprehensive um, program that leverages the incredible resources of Harvard Medical School, the Mass General Brigham System, and Mass General Hospital, um, all to deliver uh, state-of-the-art care that was not conceived possible five years ago. That's very specific about what your specific mission is about, but more broadly, and we've talked about support kind of generally here, but I think um, it's really important as we talk about Memorial Day celebrations and observances to note that often the families of the fallen don't get very much support. I'm not even talking about just specific to traumatic brain injuries, I mean, period, um, but especially those who have uh, fallen family members who committed suicide, they they struggle to get the kind of support that they need. So speak a little bit about that and why you're raising visibility um, about that as well. Sure. Uh, so five years ago, a very close friend of mine, a girl I went to high school with, um, she works for a national organization called TAPS, which stands for Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. They are the, the, the nation's largest umbrella organization to care for the families of our fallen. And, and you hit the nail on the head because when it comes to DOD and the VA, uh, both fall short in, in their support for the families of our fallen. Uh, Well-intentioned and all, but as you can imagine, the Department of Defense is focused on taking care of active duty service members, reservists, and guard, guard members uh, to get them ready, deploy them to our nation's wars. Um, the VA is focused on uh, veterans pretty much exclusively. And, and so there's, there's a very deep challenge for our family, military families um, that fall in a gap, especially when something as traumatic as losing a family member is, they, 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 there, there is no care program in either organization directly for them. And so since its inception is tried to identify these gaps in care and fill them to the best of our ability with uh, state-of-the-art treatments. And uh, the, the young woman that reached out to me shared with me that she knew we had this great program for, for veterans and active duty service members, and could we create one 
for surviving families, especially of, of suicide. Um, we launched that program almost five years ago, um, and that, that is now a program of record. Um, and three times a year, well, actually four times a year now, we'll bring 12-person uh, cohort groups together of surviving family members for this comprehensive treatment program. So, Rhonda, talk about that filling uh, in of the gap and how vitally important um, it is uh, for families, members like yourself. Sure. Uh, General Hammond mentioned complicated grief, and that is something that I've experienced in my journey. Losing my husband to suicide brought a whole other level of uh, stress, post-traumatic stress, of trauma, that some of the resources available to me in the civilian world weren't as adept at, or it just wasn't as accessible. So I feel like what I was able to ascertain with home base was so specific to my journey and what I had experienced in losing my husband, uh, particularly how it fell in timing with his, his departure from the military. He was transitioning out of his military work and preparing for civilian life and all the stressors that came with that. So the gap was filled because their specific treatment really acknowledged my my particular experience. That was very, very helpful. So I want to talk to the both of you or get your response to what I'm sure you hear every year. As you know, uh, for a lot of Americans, Memorial Day has, has lost its meaning. You know, they don't connect it to the original reason why it became a holiday uh, in America. Um, and in fact, it's known as the unofficial start of summer. And uh, how do you uh, wrestle with that since you're both very personally um, involved and do understand the meaning firsthand um, and quite personally? Rhonda, what do you say to people who you 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 just get frustrated with because they are not quite on, not understanding uh, the power of the day, if you will? Oh, that's a fantastic question. I think something something somebody imparted on me one time when I was attending a parenting workshop had to do with frustrations about when somebody doesn't understand a lesson that we need to kind of look within and take a breath and ask ourselves, how can we do better around this? So I try to look at it as an opportunity not to get on a soapbox or preach, but have a moment to say, isn't this amazing? We get to do X, Y, and Z. And what are the reasons we can do that without having to give second thought to my safety, to my decision-making, to my freedoms? What are the core pieces of this? And also just remind people in the best way possible that there are human beings behind all these statues, all these symbols, all these moments and behind the name. These are human lives that made the ultimate sacrifice and there's power in that so i invite them to join me and sometimes i'll share with people just this is something i like to do i take a moment and do this and if we all did that i think we could bring the remembrance a little bit more to the forefront jack well i, I couldn't agree more with what rhonda said i would tell you um that you know from from the veteran perspective you know one of the things I, I actually shared it at the ceremony. Um, I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is the official launch of summer now. And, and that, that you know, 
you can't wish and try and drag things back like you know an angry old person say get off my lawn kind of thing you got to pay attention uh, but what i what i to, to Rhonda's point we try and bring them back to the point that that they do learn a little bit and they understand and as we pointed out to the crowd that each one of those flags was somebody somebody's son daughter husband wife child um and and really memorial day is about taking a moment from your time to reflect on that for a moment um as veterans we would not want anyone to spend the weekend with the black armband on um you know gloom and doom and everything else because when we when we raise our right hand um and agree to deploy to different parts of the world to defend this nation uh, that's a choice we've made um, but it's to safeguard these freedoms and liberties so that we can have these amazing days right and so what i do ask though is that you do take a moment and reflect on the fact that these freedoms come at a cost and those 37,000 plus flags on the ground uh, are a visual depiction of that cost. And if you multiply it by five, that's the families that are affected, immediate families affected by this. Um, and so as you enjoy your weekend, take a moment and, and just think about that and share with your children that freedom does have a cost. And when we look at the folks in the Ukraine, uh, I remember watching videos a year ago where in December of, of um, 2021, it was business as usual at Christmas time, people shopping and walking around Kiev uh, as if nothing was going on. And if you look at it now, you know, the city is gutted. Um, they weren't anticipating that. And, and freedom is fragile. Um, and and there's, there's a reason that we have folks standing watch uh, on our shores and on our, our across the world to protect these liberties. So on these weekends, when you when you enjoy, when you're really and I hope you do enjoy these weekends and beautiful sunshine, you open your pool and all that. Take a minute, though, and share with your children that freedom does come at a high cost and people are willing to pay it. Take a moment and say a quick prayer for those families. Um, you know, give them a little bit of private thought. And when you do encounter a family that does have lost, uh, has lost a, a family member to their service, um, be kind and, and take a moment and, and thank them for their sacrifice in our collective service. Well, I will say uh, in conclusion that um, even if you're not a person that goes to the ceremonies, Something about that flag field, I have to say for me, is very powerful. Just to step back and watch it, it does, it seems to me, it calls for just a moment of pause, as you are both asking for on the day. So um, I am um, impressed by the ceremony at the Boston Common. I know other communities do it in Massachusetts as well. But just to let you both know, uh, it is effective for those of us who may not be at the ceremony but who understand the power of those flags um, on the common. And I thank you both very much for joining me. Well, thank you very much for having us. Thank you so much. Jack Hammond is a retired Brigadier General and Executive Director of Homebase, a nonprofit dedicated to veteran care and co-organizer of the Memorial Day Boston Common Flag Garden. And Rhonda Garvin Conaway is a spouse of a fallen Massachusetts service member. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. 
Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.